0: Podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Rewatch Project with Mike and Hannah, and we are now moving into, for the first time, our second season. Season of the show. two. So, uh, so that's a momentous occasion. We have uh, cleared a, uh, you know, pretty lengthy season of a TV show. Uh, uh, Hannah and I were talking earlier on today about sort of, and an, I won't sort of pull the curtain back here on this, but other ideas for shows that we can cover once we've covered Shield. And I think that, um, you know, there are a lot of shows out there that we're likely to cover that will probably have substantially shorter seasons than this. But, uh, but no, we've made it. We've made it to the end. So at the beginning of a uh, of another season. Um, Anything that you want to sort of um, tell us about the episode before we get into it, Hannah?
2: uh well before we do that have we had any feedback no
1: i checked earlier okay we haven't to recorded. yeah let me just quickly um bring up the deets on how to reach us but yeah so we would appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at rewatchproj yeah let's Shall get I talk um, about the episode yeah let's let's get into that
2: okay so season two episode one is called Shadows. It premiered on the 23rd of September 2014. This episode is directed by Vincent Massiano who um, you will already know yeah, from yeah. season one. Yeah, He also did um, some Agent
1: Carter as well, I think.
2: Yes, I think he did. Um, he directed three or four in season one, so he... Definitely he knows what he's talking about when it comes to Agents of Shield. Yeah. It was written by Jed Whedon and Marissa Tankarin, as well as DJ Doyle, who was credited on the finale of He gets
1: a lot one. of uncredited writing. Yes, credits, he's uncredited on me. this as well. I think maybe he's like a sort of tidy He's a staff writer. Yeah, but what I mean yeah. is because uh, the staff writers usually get credited, so I think that maybe he's like tidying up the scripts. Perhaps Did
2: he dot the i's and cross the yes. t's. Yes. Um, so yes. So I I can't remember a hell of a lot from this. Well, I let's read... not say
1: anything before. No, we watch no. It.
2: I can't remember anything more than the very broad strokes of it. But because it's written by Jed Whedon and Marissa Rowan, I know that it's going to be good. It's
1: going to be a good one. All right. Well, um, let's not piss about. Uh, let's hit pause and then we will come back and we will do a non-spoiler conversation about the episode first and then we will do any chat about plot points that maybe connect connected with later stuff after a break then so uh yeah let's do this
0: what once was shield no longer exists but their enemies are still out there and the world can't save itself This is a make-or-break moment. I'm going to finish what I started. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season premiere Tuesday, September 23rd at a new time, 9, 8 central on ABC.
1: So welcome back. So we have just finished watching the first episode of season two Mm -hmm. of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode Shadows from September 2014. So Hannah, what were your initial impressions of this before we dive in deep?
2: I... Uh, My initial thoughts were, I'm so pleased we're doing a rewatch of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because the first time round, when I saw this episode, as much as I enjoyed it, I felt very weirded out by the difference in tone. Because there's lots of new characters, and it, it seems like life has moved on a lot. Yeah, it's sort of, it feels... As much as it's a continuation on from where they end in season one, it also feels like so much time has passed that you're kind of like filling in the blanks of what's happened. So it's discombobulating. Yeah. And um, a friend of mine who is watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the first time, uh, I don't know. Ah. I haven't spoken to her for a while about it. I have spoken to her, just not about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember when she watched. The first episode of season two She felt like that And and I was saying to her how I did too And it took a while to Not reconnect But sort of reconcile myself With where they were currently On rewatch however I just I just slotted straight into it And it was like yes I am so pleased for this change of tone It moves it up a notch Into a different kind of thing it expands so much into character development uh, fits dealing with everything mentally that he's got on his plate just such a solid opener and considering this is where we're starting and it only goes up it's fantastic
1: okay what about you uh, no I agree I mean right down to my thoughts when when I first saw it I felt a little bit like. There were sort of it felt like they were forcing new characters on us. Yeah, it felt a little bit of like, well, where have these people come from? Uh, and I think that's but I think that that's deliberate because what it feels like is, and it's funny to think this because we've been watching The Office recently. Is it feels like a merger? Yeah, like an inter-office merger has yeah, appeared because obviously in the storyline for this episode, what you're seeing is that Colson has retreated to. Kind of the tower, so to speak. Big
2: boss levels. Um, because yep. he's
1: trying to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. whilst also dealing with the fact that they're officially a terrorist organization. Yeah. So what he's having to do is reconnect with other pockets of, quote, legitimate S.H.I.E.L.D., but also bringing in other people who. Um, perhaps a little bit more nefarious so for example the mercenaries who are working with uh, the lucy lawless character yeah so what that means is that they basically
2: but, like shield adjacent operatives yeah
1: so you've got so the core team from the the previous show so from the previous season are feeling this slight disorientation and mistrust uh, and i think that this episode is trying to make the audience feel that as well
2: but the other thing is like um, Sky is very different, um, and of course she's got a fringe or bangs. Yeah. If you're American, um, so you know that signifies deep personal growth, yeah. and you become much more of a badass if you've got a fringe. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but uh, she's not the character that you left at the end of season one. She has, like, they've signified that there's been a significant period of time. Between the end of the year and where they currently yes. are,
1: I mean, so, you don't get bangs overnight. Well, well exactly. you do actually. Well, you, <laughs> yeah, you go to yeah. the hairdressers, but you know what I'm saying?
2: Um, yeah, and and I think that, as much as anything, is just because when you end season one, you you are you're with Sky, you are confused and hurt and pissed off at Ward and... But she's obviously know, been
1: stewing her juices about it. Yeah,
2: you know. 100%. But she's also been training and kicking ass and, you know, really solidifying all the stuff that she's learned in season one. The other
1: thing is, as well, is that there's a... And this isn't a criticism, but there's a beginning of season kind of cliche that occurs in a lot of shows. And I think that back in 2014... It wasn't one... It had been done before, but it wasn't one that we're hugely aware of. But I think of this... A great example of this is season four of Buffy, Mm. where season three ends...
2: That's another discombobulation season. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
1: No, no, actually, you're right, it is, but I've actually got it wrong. I meant the beginning of season three of Buffy, where at the end of season two, spoiler for Buffy, she's killed Angel and she just runs away. She leaves another... She goes, moves to LA. Yeah. And the first episode... The gang, it cuts the gang in Sunnydale, have all kind of slightly gone their separate ways. Buffy's off this, and there's a regrouping. And that's almost become a TV thing now where each season, this most recent season of Star Trek Discovery, started like that. Mm. The first episode's just Burn, and the second episode's the crew, and then they come yep. back together. And
2: and there's a bit of a getting
1: to know each other phase. Well, again. Well, it's, it's a kind of getting the band back together mm. thing. and yep. And that's with hindsight. I think if this episode aired now, it would have been obvious that that's what they were doing, but it, mm. it wasn't a, No, it wasn't it, obvious at all at I mean, the time. I mean, it wasn't a, a cliché then. No, you know? no, no. Um, so... And you, know.
2: and you did feel as discombobulated as the team members. Like, it really had that feel first time round. I was really surprised how different I felt watching it this time. Well, the other time. thing is,
1: as well, is that the... Um, Plus, I know where it goes. Yeah, so, I mean, it was yeah. funny. The, to go back to overall thought, thoughts before we get into sort of plot points. Um, when we finished watching the episode, I said to Hannah that I was surprised how quickly it, it went. So, mm. uh, and I think that that's because of the sort of the density of this episode. It felt like, obviously, between the seasons, they had a very d- distinct plan for this, and it feels like they were like right. Okay, let's, let's go. So, I, I really like this episode, but at the same time, it's not my favourite type of episode because I've said before that I'm not the big. I, I prefer the episodes that are the characters dealing with the effects of the plot, yeah. whereas this was very much plot.
2: Yeah. And oh, that, it it's not going to make my top three of the season,
1: I can yeah. tell you right no, but now. It's, but it's, it's, a necessary, it's,
2: it's a solid, necessary episode. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: The, 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 the plot mm-hmm. is the, the engine that drives the train, mm. you know, of, of the season. Yeah. And I think that this season already, you can tell, has a very solid engine. And a bit like the first season, you can already see that there's several things intersecting because, I mean, so we've, you've got, first and foremost, you've got trying to rebu- rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. and evade Talbot and the government. Mm-hmm. You've got that element of it. You've got the um, the inter- all the interpersonal stuff going on and obviously, you know, fits... Dealing with all that kind of stuff, yep. uh, you've got um, the the the, uh, the 084 mm-hmm. and the mystery of that, and the history of. Um, I've written his name down because I always freaking remember uh, Doctor Whitehall. A uh, Whitehall, yeah, yeah. Um, so you've already got, and then you've got things carrying over from last season, like Ward and you know Hydra, and they're still talking. About I always Garrett. want to say Jack Whitehall. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, so, uh, so I think what this episode shows me is that there's a real density to it. But also, there is a sort of um, a grimness to this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, fucking hell. Lucy Lawless has a handcuffs hand off and then dies of something completely Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a shit thing to have happen. So I, I think that the other thing is, as well, is that I think with season two, um, I think they had a different time slot. I think it went a little bit later. Yep. So I think that they felt in the early episodes able to be a bit a bit darker push it out a little bit mm. more. But I, I get the I, if I remember correctly, I think they kind of come to the realization that just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And it feels that they kind of dialed it back back a little bit. But I think a lot of the, the the incongruity of tone here is purely down to the fact that they want to start the characters in a difficult place and rebuild them.
2: Yeah, and up. and they can't be where they were because where they were doesn't exist anymore. So it has to be that different area.
1: Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of the scenes in the in the last season are kind of stronger for it. Like if you go back we were talking about the um the scene when they're all sitting around the pool in the kind of, you know, Palm Springs um hotel room. Um like hotel um sort of forecourt yeah that feels with hindsight now very much a final moment of leisure normalcy yeah before mm. they kind of have to go down to business like you know I mean um yeah. Coulson's got you know he's he's got his shirt buttoned up and, and his tie on so to speak because he wants to do it and they make a big deal about the fact that people hardly see him and I think that that's because they're trying to because he became kind of like the dad of the yeah. show, like the buddy yeah. boss. Mm. I think that they're trying to re the character a little bit, which oh, I think is important.
2: Absolutely, and they have to show the significance of his position. So he's not available yeah. at whenever they want him to be. Because he's he's the big
1: the big dude. Well it's a little bit like the
2: um I mean he's not God but you
1: know. <laughs> it's it's a little bit like the um the the Picard thing where on the next gen, he was kind of like, oh, Picard, we all love him." But if you fucked up, he, gonna, had, he, he had would, he would be like,
2: he had that distance from his staff. He he enjoyed his staff and he was empathetic. Who are we talking about
1: now, sorry, I've lost Picard. It. Oh, okay, okay.
2: Um, you know, like he he had that distance in that he could he was never their friend. Yeah, and I think that's what Coulson is trying to conveyed like he wants to be friendly, but he's he's got to make the tough decisions and tell them the hard things that have to happen for the greater good. Yeah. So he can't be their on the ground, team member, friend.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think I think there's definitely an element. And that, that. comes
2: from that the final op yeah. where he like instead of prioritising Lucy Lawless getting help, he prioritises the well, mission.
1: One other thing as well, that I'll say. Um, but I feel like, I like I'll explain my rationale for doing this in a non-spoiler section, not the spoilers, and I won't say which characters I'm talking about specifically because it will give away, you know, I don't know who lives and dies or whatever. Mm. But one thing that has definitely changed in the rewatch, and it's a little bit like it's the whole Babylon Five syndrome thing. It's the whole kind of like when you know something's going to be good, like with absolute certainty, it changes the way that you view it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and a big element of that is. That there, there are a lot of new cast members in here—good guys and bad guys and grey area guys—and there are a lot of people who, because they're in you, and I was like, "Who's this prick?" You know, um, <laughs> yeah. on my show. Yeah. It, go looking at it now. I can see how good a lot of them are from the very beginning. Yeah. I won't go into specifics about who that is at this point. Yeah. Because that will be a bit of a giveaway. But it's interesting going, yeah, okay, you had that character pretty much down from the beginning. Yeah, yeah,
2: know. yeah. Um, I and, know who you're talking about and yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So, uh, okay, well, should we get into it? I've got, yeah. I've got pretty much beat by beat. So I'll go through and if I miss anything. Um,
2: I've I've got um, sparse notes, but, okay. you know.
1: Well, stop me if you've heard this one before. Yeah. Um Okay, so we, we start in the 1940s. Uh, and we see that the uh, the fighting command, uh, the Nighthawk Commandos, or the Howling Commandos. The Howling Commandos. Sorry, the Fighting Nighthawk Commandos. is... Fighting Nighthawk Commandos. The, the Fighting Nighthawk Commandos are a group of imaginary friends that Murdoch in the A-team had. And they had like a theme song, like, <laughs> Fighting Nighthawks in the sky, near dwells, doing wrong from right. And all these kind of... So every time I, I hear it now, I'm like, I'm just going to call them the Fighting Nighthawk Commandos from <laughs> now not, on. I do apologize the
2: Howling Commandos. Fighting Nighthawk Commandos. And Peggy Carter, don't we love her? We do. She's amazing.
1: It's funny, actually, because I'm just trying to think. My initial thought was, oh, this was probably around the time they were doing the Agent Carter show. Because I think that was ABC as well. Shall I just have
2: a very quick look? Um, Because it'd be very interesting to just. But it feels like maybe it's a bit too early. Uh, Agent Carter. So, episode one, season one, was the eleventh February two thousand and fifteen. So it was a few
1: months after this. So they they started shooting this. I mean, I know. I mean, they'd they'd already done the um, the Marvel one shot. Um, yeah. With, uh, with the, that she did with Bradley Whitford, Yeah. Um, which I'd love to watch again. It's a great little 15-minute movie, that is, of just her just killing misogynists. Being
2: amazing, um,
1: yeah. But, uh, so it's great to see her as well. And she's so good as well. I mean, she's one of those actors who... Um,
2: you can see how she set up the SSR. Yeah. She's just fully in control of the mission completely. When the dude in the bowler hat... Um,
0: uh, did you know he
1: was... Um, he was the he was in Star Trek First Contact. And yeah. as the really kind of like... It's the most lines I've ever seen a red shirt have. Like, he plays Commander Hawk. He even gets a name. But he ends up getting killed by the Borg. At the end, he ends up redshirting it. But he was one of those guys where he was hired, literally, just to be a redshirt. But Jonathan Frake said that he had so much just natural charisma that they were like, let's give this guy an actual fucking role in the film. Uh-huh. And, like, and it, it, they... The I mean, he was well. great
2: in Captain America as well.
1: Um, he is what, my favourite fighting Nighthawk commando. <laughs> I will say that. <laughs>
2: um, but I'm going
1: to start the fighting Nighthawk commandos oh for God, real.
2: heaven help us all. Um, but when he goes to open one of the things and you see the hint of the Cree body, which incidentally is probably the guest host that Coulson saved from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, she's fully in control of that and just, boom, straight down. Don't even look at it. Seal it up. Yeah, This is not your bag. You came here to retrieve this stuff. You don't need to know what it and, is. And I
1: love all that shit as well because one of the, the things – I've said this before. One of the things that I love about Marvel and Star Wars and Harry Potter is the idea of a universe mm. with history and oh, – uh, you know percent being able to kind of just sort of go, hey, let's just do a ten-minute bit at the beginning of an episode that shows this. So, if some maniac one day wants to do like a chronological cut of like the MCU, you know, this could be in this could be a short thing between Captain America: The First Avenger and season one of um, Agent Carter. You know, yeah. and I like the idea as well that um, that you know that they they beat. They quote, beat Hydra in uh, Captain America, but that it doesn't happen overnight. It's like they still have to go and close all of these things. And mm. I love those practicalities. It's like the, um, I, I know Hannah's not a fan, but uh, but, but on uh, one of the things that I love about Star Trek Lower Decks is the idea that their ship is a second contact ship. Mm. Because the idea is, is that the Enterprise that goes out there and meets all of these people and says, come into the Federation, well, what happens so then? It actually so actually So they have to go in and do, like, the admin and, like, figure out, well, okay, um, well, we've got to tell you how uh, – we've got to give you holiday technology now and warp drive and figure all that shit out. And I like the idea that even in the Marvel universe, there's a kind of a – they have to see the shit through. There's a, there's a practicality to it. Well, it's there? a
2: bit like the, you know, the account director going in going, yes, we can print your job for £5,000, and then I would have to come in and – make that shit happen. Yeah. You know, um, which was not always possible.
1: You see, Hannah is the Peggy Carter of um, the artworking I world. Uh, Bring it on. But uh, but yeah so so we see all of this and there's um so we
2: And and sorry to interrupt no, you, no. but I I love the fact that um before the, you know, da 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 um you have the stamp being put on the O eight four um signifying unknown origin object of unknown origin which is the same as sky um, and mm-hmm. it's just reinforcing that you know just in the back of your brain that at some point she was labeled that too yeah. so um, they consider this technology very dangerous they consider sky very dangerous why is that what's surrounding that I, I, I these things like haven't been answered yet that so that there's that lots there's lots still there yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I also okay. like how the stenciling of the SSR thing and the place where they keep it as well to me feels like they're trying to elicit the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. You know, when the Ark's put in that giant warehouse yeah. and they put the government. And I think
2: well, Whitehall that, looks very Raiders well, of the Lost Ark too. Uh, uh,
1: uh, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? Um, is it Jim
2: Johnson?
1: Oh, Joe Johnston.
2: Look. Yeah. Hey. I was close. My theme music. Perfect timing. <laughs> got
1: it. Um so um yeah Captain America um, the first avenger which obviously this, this you know pre-credit sequence is following. Um, he worked on all of the Indiana Jones films and he worked on all the start of the original Star Wars films. Mm. He was a, he was like a, one of Lucas and Spielberg's guys. He would a lot of design. He designed Boba Fett, he designed the Mandalorian okay. sort yep. of thing. And he designed like the Star Destroyers and the Death Star and all this stuff. Um, he directed Captain America: The The, the uh, First Avenger, and I think that one of the reasons why he was hired was I think that they really wanted a um, a Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe to that first mm. uh, Captain America film. I think partly because of when it was set. I always set. think Captain um, America will police. <laughs> and um, the uh, fuck yeah, and um, and I think that the the. Um, the moments in this episode when they illicit or call back raiders makes a lot of sense because yeah. it's moving in that kind of SSR world, uh, and that's why I would love to see them. And I think they will. I I would love to see them do more period films mm. in the, I mean, we're watching the trailer of that um, sort of um, Edwardian uh, Joss Whedon series. Mm. Um, I'd love to see. I'd love to see an MCU movie set in the eighteen hundreds. You know, uh yeah, yeah, like be a, good. like a steampunk yeah. one, or you know, I mean, I, just I mean, think-
2: it would be close to Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes, probably.
1: What and I, what and I've given before, that Downey Junior. was in that too, I was talking. I mentioned this to you when we were watching the Sherlock Holmes films, and I said it on the WhatsApp group as well. How on earth has Guy Ritchie not done an MCU movie? He we, would be. We've perfect. said
2: that on this before, oh, have we? Yeah, no, no, no. Or no. oh, maybe it was one of our. Um,
1: Shift storm. Uh, yeah. Lockdown episode. Shift twenty twenty episodes. So uh, uh, he would be put I think he's he's the right level of has got his own style, but doesn't let that get in the way of yeah. um you know of the, the film the story. thing sort of business yeah. thing. So, Okay, so so we, we go we move into um the uh, the present day. Um we um As I
2: said Sky is got a fringe and she's kicking ass all over the place yep. and super in charge of her feelings and emotions yep. and
1: burying um, it and we see yep. uh, lucy lawless as well Now I've got, I've got to stop a little bit here because i think lucy lawless is one of those people you can kind of put her in the same bracket as people like uh i've said before like liam neeson and ming na wen in a way that she's kind of geek royalty in a lot of ways i mean mm. she's done xena um, she has. She done, was
2: fantastic in Spartacus. Yeah, she
1: was fantastic in Spartacus. Um, she Cracking was, boobs. She was in yeah, Capital. I think is the word you're looking for. <laughs> um, she was in the um, Battlestar Galactica. Um, the the Ronald D Moore version of that great in that. Right. Um, she's in Spider Man Two for Sam Raimi. Spider Man. I haven't 2. seen Spider Man um, Two. It's, it's fucking great. Um, and yeah, she's just one of those people. And also, um, whenever I see her, like at conventions or interviewed. She seems very just sort of the earth kind of um, doesn't charge for autographs. Yeah, well, she's get, Kiwi. Get, gets drunk. I wish I thought she was Australian. No, she's in New Zealand. Oh, right. okay. Um, but yeah, she's one of those people who um, doesn't sit behind the table. If you know what I mean at yeah. convention, she's very much kind of sort she's of like uh, out and about. So uh, yeah. I like Lucy Lawless, and um, yes, yeah, so uh, so it's great to see that
2: you One thing that struck me when you meet. Lucy Lawless and Hunter and the third guy is that dude had red shirt written all over him. Yes, um, I can't remember even if they said his name. If they did, it was very much mumbled and um, on the down low. Um, the fact that his only sort of conversation happened about around something he cooked for the team um, and mentions of Budapest.
1: You know what? It's funny if you say this because. One of the great... um, If you want to see... And I'm not saying this as mockery, because I love it. But it's it's amazingly entertaining to go back and watch the pilot episode of Miami Vice. Really? Because so many things that are now are considered cliché were done first in Miami Vice. Really? Like, the pilot is... It's like an A to Z of clichés. But they weren't clichés. They were done... I remember at the time, people were like, wow, this show is so original. Like the opening sequence, the pre credit sequence is Don Johnson and his partner, who isn't Philip Michael Thomas in the pilot. So they're there and they're about to go on a case. And he starts off, and the opening scene is Don Johnson talking to his partner, who's played by a very early role for Jimmy Smits. And Jimmy Smits is there and he's like, Oh, Crockett, you know, you're such a wise ass, and all this. He's like, We're we going to go and he's like, Let's go and catch the bad guys. And, um, and then Rocket Cross like, let's go. And he's like, what's the matter, Jimmy Smith? And Jimmy Smith is like, well, Don Johnson, I've just had a huge argument with my wife. And he's like, mate, just let Don Johnson's like, let it go. Just tell her that you love her. And he's like, okay, I'll call her and tell her that I love her. After <laughs> we, we uh, succeed at yeah, the mission we're about to go on, our inevitable success in whatever <laughs> our endeavor is on this, and it just kind of reminds me of, of that a little bit. It's
2: like that. Um, what was the parody movie that Amy Polar did with um, was it Paul Rudd?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, where they, they get, came together, where
2: they um, yeah, with they have the fight, and one of them gets to the door, and the other one walks through, and they go, uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I can't run after this person. Yeah. It's, it's literally my favourite bit in
1: that film is the um, trying on clothes montage. It's like a Julia Roberts film. <laughs> and uh, it gets more and more ridiculous to the point where at the end of the year she's wearing, like, medieval armour and walking <laughs> out. The, you know, <laughs> it's not really you. Let's have a look at some of these new characters that have been introduced. Here. So we've got... Um...
2: First time around, I was on the fence about Hunter Um, Just because uh, From what I said um, Earlier Being very discombobulated With the tone And feeling very much A fish out of water But this time um, and, And I'm not saying this In a I know what happens Or whatever But this time around I found him Kind of exactly what you need In this episode He's He's the audience calling out, like, why are we doing this, yeah. and what's the point of it? And um, surely, this makes more sense, or you know, X, Y, Z, or whatever it is. But like, I I just like his tone, and um, I really I really enjoyed him as a character. I mean, you know, I mean, his role isn't really that deep in this episode or anything like that. But he he brings. A good challenge to the other characters. Well, I like I the thought. fact
1: as well that it's it's weird because he's kind of a cliche, but not a cliche because he's sort of like you know is is he it comes from a long line of is he British? Yeah,
2: because I remember the first time round thinking, is he British or is he just putting a... No, no, well, he yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. comes from a, a long line of, of, of Cockneys in Whedon shows, Yeah, uh, some of whom are British, some of whom aren't. Mm. And um, you know, it, it's kind of a tricky role that he has to play as well because on the one hand, it's cliche, but on the other hand, um, I, I admire the fact that they don't... Because obviously he's a mercenary and there's this whole idea of like, do we trust the mercenaries? Yeah, um, But they never really try to make out that he's anything but good
2: I think I think showing that he prioritised his team member over the mission yeah well but at the end of the episode it's very clear Yeah, solidified but, that, but, that he's he's a good guy
1: but even during it Coulson's like well you know old Xena's vouched for them so you know <laughs> yeah. they're, they're alright by me and um and
2: Kiwi Zena.
1: yeah so I think that that makes it sort of less of an ambiguity but um okay so um so what we learn as well is that the uh, the government has uh, obviously shield assets because that's the other thing as well is that there's like I mentioned last time it's a bit like the uh, post war um, sort of German scientist land grab that went on between Russia and America yeah. where Russia kind of got half of half of them and America got the other like yeah. um, the you know when there was the space race going on in the states um, Russia had one. Um, you know, big scientists in America had Werner von Braun, who was a, um, a German it scientist. It still blows
2: my mind that, that the reason America got to the moon is because of a Nazi German <laughs> Well, no, but scientist. the thing was, it was
1: like, these German scientists, they weren't like, there's complex thing, they weren't yeah. like these evil Nazi scientists. They were scientists before the war who were trying to make rockets to go to space, mm. who then got their, their work sort of Hijacked. subverted, yeah. and you know, really I know it's, it's an awful thing to say, didn't have any fucking choice. Yeah. So then when they came that they were given asylum in America, um, they were happy. They were like, I can get back to doing what I did before. Yeah. yeah. You know, um and uh, I mean in Russia, they they brought they had a guy who was in a fucking gulag who they broke okay. out and um, basically just, you know, set him up as their equivalent. Um it was just I mean that's the the great irony is, is that the the science behind some of the best things in the world that are going to take us to space come and from you know, for trust, yeah. come from the, are, are exactly the same technology that you can use to fucking kill people, yeah you know, yes. so it's just a, a question of how it's used but, um, but yeah, so we learned that the government is having this mm-hmm. this um, scramble for shield assets and they've, they've got a box that um, is actually categorized as level 10. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get penny from the Big Bang Theory's boyfriend to turn up as a Terminator.
2: That's what I know yeah. I'm from.
1: he's the one who dresses as yeah, yeah. Tarzan and he's a yeah. dick to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look. How did you not make that connection? you I,
2: I just thought, oh, I must remember him from Shield. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, no, I no. just, yeah.
1: His boyfriend, G12, from. Um,
2: <laughs> he's the one that uh, they have to try and get the TV back from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the pilot. Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, we learned that Carl Creel, who is this guy. Uh, he was a boxer who sort of, you know, had developed this power. And it's to...
2: also in the comics from from the trivia that I. Well that read. makes sense.
1: Um... You see, again, this is the thing: is that uh, I know that I should be magnanimous, but it's really starting to bug me now. How many we should give Agents of Shield a second chance? Think pieces I'm seeing on the internet. Yeah. But now that WandaVision's on TV and people have kind of have got because that obviously. Mm there hasn't been an MCU film for a really long time because of COVID. Yeah. That people are remembering the MCU. Mm. Also, it's not in New Zealand, but in the rest of the world, um, all seven seasons of shield are now on, uh, Disney plus. Yeah. So people are going back to that.
2: Yeah. What the fuck Disney plus, um, don't forget New Zealand. Yeah. Well,
1: no, no, it's, I think, um, Sky have got it here, but, um, it's for like another year suck. and a half. But but the thing that's so irritating me is the people are always, don't you think it's time we gave it another chance? Like they've discovered this thing. It's like, Well It was good all along. Yeah, it's like it's the same show. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um it, it's Just because you've finally copped on. But but what I will say in the defence, and I've done this with shows, is having it all there, you know, like if there's one slightly ropey episode in somebody's mind, um if you can it's burn very through, easy to dismiss a if series. You, if, you, if you watch two yeah. or three episodes, you know you're you're spreading the risk a little bit there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So. The-
2: um, so yeah. Just just like fun fact for the listener here, um, the character of Creel is in the comics apparently, and his weapon of choice in the comics is a ball and chain. Yeah, which he uses later on as it's funny because
1: I, I didn't know that but I've sort of you know half read a lot of Marvel comics like most of my life and I, I remember a, a, re, a distinctly an image of somebody with that ball and chain around, but I saw that and thinking I bet that's a yeah, thing yeah. I, bet, I bet that's yeah. like a man thing uh, so they've got they're going dark and we see Talbot on TV uh, we're introduced to Mac as well yep um, so you know they're, they're upping upping for diversity quota on the show a little bit most which is definitely good. Um, and that's also something I a want to mention move. as well because I I love to, I, I like nothing more than patting myself on the back. Um, but I noticed, I w- w- listened to an old chinstroker versus punter the other day um, because. Which I was, one? Um, oh God, I can't even remember which one it was now. I'll put it on a Dropbox. Um, it was the um, Blue Velvet. Because, oh, that's very yeah, old. because I wanted to. Um, do Blue Velvet again on Sheen Stroker versus Punter because I think it would be an interesting experiment now that Paul's got his film degree and does this kind of stuff.
2: He's still going to hate it for uh, you. I don't, it.
1: I don't know. I don't he know. He will. He will dig his toes in. Uh, one of the things that I'm really proud of is that um, even then I didn't use the word actress. And I only mentioned that because I just caught myself when we were talking about about Lucy Lawless saying that I, she's, she's an actress that I really like, mm. is that even for – to steal the phrase, I was woke before the alarm.
0: Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off.
1: I've been looking for a way to shoehorn that in for weeks. Oh, my um, God. So basically the impression that you're getting I here, hope you're happy, listeners. This is, <laughs> this is what I'm having to Oh, I hope you're word. happy too, darling. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we learned that Colson basically is a busy man. Yeah. And that there's this whole dynamic that he is off kind of um, – they haven't seen him for weeks, so when they do, it's to get, like, orders barked at them. Uh, and that's because, basically, he's trying to rebuild. Yeah. Um, and they realise that the, uh, the the 084 that they're looking for is – the first 084. Oh, Some wait,
2: serious significance yeah. because, it, yeah, it, and, that's the first one that ever came along. And
1: this is another um, Raiders thing here as well, is that they talk about how if if it fell into Hydra's hands, it could mean doom. And it's just so – it's the Ark of the Covenant and the Nars. Of course it there's is. A yeah, of, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of that sort of stuff
2: and, and I think they have to have something like that in the first episode because – as much as they didn't tie up every loose end, like you still don't know what's going on, we're ended with Sky's father. Like you just get that that dripping hand with blood yeah. at the end of the episode. Like you know, there's nothing. It, like obviously, it's not wrapped up,
1: and that's not even alluded to in this episode. No, it's the final well, image of no, the first season. Well,
2: there is one um, nod to her father. Okay,
1: well that went over my head, but okay. Well, it was quite obvious. Okay, man. that went past my ears. <laughs>
2: Maybe. Oh. Um. Yeah, so that's not tied up. But aside from that, there's not really anything to kind of point them towards. Garrett's dead. Ward's captured. Yes, Hydra is still a thing, but, but they sort of – I feel like they're sort of aware that it's going to always be a thing. Yeah. Because it's so um, – Insidious. But
1: it's not a central point of antagonism no, at this point.
2: Yeah, so they need just like they need Creel because they need a bad guy, they need a bad thing to be working towards yeah. finding. That- um and, and it's 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 a way to focus their attention and point them in the same direction as a team towards something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean the other thing is well that this episode. And makes that's me why realize- Whedon and, and Tankaroan had to write it. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that's that's one of the things that sort of um, is worth pointing out as well. And this is a little bit of kind of inside baseball, I guess. Is that um, most there's an equation for TV shows as far as viewing figures to budget. It's mm. like if the budget's here and the viewing figures go below here, you're cancelled. And what you I think know, happened?
2: The, the um, listeners can't see your hands
1: when you um, see them. I, one was high and one was low. I think that's that's in, that's <laughs> implicit. Um, But one of the the things that I... uh, The senses that I get of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that it started huge because it was like... This is a TV show in the MCU. Yeah, Yeah. So I think that they probably lost a third, if not a half of their audience after about the first two two or three episodes. Yeah. And that's not unusual for TV shows. No. You always get people who are like, oh, Nathan Fillion's in this, I'll watch it. No, I don't like it. And they're gone. yeah. So the question is, once... You've separated the wheat from the chaff. Is that enough? And what I think happened with Agents of Shield is I think that they lost a lot of their audience and then it probably declined a little bit and then it levelled out towards the end of the first season. Yeah. And I think that basically the network were obviously like, it's enough. You know, yeah. that's enough to keep the show yep. going. Yep. So I think what that did was I think it kind of instilled the creatives with a weird kind of confidence because they were like, okay, well we know we've now got this audience that really is probably going to stay with us and who we're making the show for now. Mm. So we're not having to try and play to the cheap seats anymore. Uh, And what this episode feels like from a... uh, Because any first episode of a new season of a show has an element of mission statement about it. Mm. And to me, the mission statement of this is, um, fuck the tourists. Yeah. Uh, And I think that the density of the episode um, and the fact that there's... Elements that relate to larger areas of Marvel, callbacks to um, obscure characters from the comic books, all this yeah. kind of stuff. It's almost as though they say, and that what, just becomes more and more as the as the series goes well, on. Well, it's, it's it's like the it's like the whole cliche about how you know um, when Springsteen's playing a stadium show, you're going to get the ones that you know. Yeah. But if he's playing a venue to 2,000 people where it's really hard to it's get gonna tickets, be the deep cuts. you're going to get the deep cuts. Yeah. And I feel like that's what this feels like this first episode, it feels like they're like, okay, we, um, we kind of don't have to dub it down mm. as much. Um, French was like it too. They totally got to a point where they were
2: like... If you're not all in, then fuck you. We're not going to catch you up. Yeah,
1: and I think there comes a point where they realise that they're not going to be able to grow their audience anymore. Yeah, you know, so, so they're, they're kind just going to
2: be all in for the fans. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, the danger, the difficulty is when you've got a show that's hugely successful. Like, um, I mean, a, a, a great, another, the example I always use, the X Files. That's a show where a lot of the biggest mistakes it made creatively were obvious attempts to try and. Continue to maintain this huge audience, mm. whereas there came a point where they should have said, you know, you can't be the biggest show on TV for ten years. That's to come a point where you go, you know what? Collateral damage. Yeah. Let's just do what we want to do. We're gonna we're gonna shed a load of fucking viewers, but mm. we'll still have a shitload yeah, by any yeah. shows and it standard. And matter. And they they made the wrong call, and mm. it shows when you watch that. That show you it, know
2: it's like when you see sitcoms go a wee bit broad yeah How I Met Your Mother was like that in the final season like the subtle comedy turned into fucking horrible slapstick you can almost
1: still have discussions like another although example although I do
2: like the finale yeah uh, fuck the haters yeah, yeah no, I agree was all good. Um,
1: but it's funny you can see shows do sometimes do a reversal on that as well like um Friends start went really broad at one point and it actually kind of pulled it back yeah it was I mean, as Joey they were like, was
2: like a freaking like he'd had it? a lobotomy. <laughs> it was like he'd had a lobotomy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just ridiculous yeah, yeah. for a few he seasons. He was like, um,
1: he was like, was it Simple Jack in um, Tropic Thunder? It's <laughs> like
2: a bloody man-child, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but but they, again, but they they sort of like pulled they back do, yeah, bit. they do pull uh, it. Back. You know, yeah. Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks did it in that second season. it started, you know, when you had the same the oh, pie weasel campaign. But but then that last two or three episodes are some of the best that the, the show did. The know.
2: Donner and what's his face episodes. Oh, the
1: Evelyn and James.
2: Oh, I actually man. quite like that.
1: Oh, it's well, a callback to film.
2: <laughs> I think you're giving it a pass that
1: doesn't deserve. Oh, I think i probably are. okay. So also, I want to know what is it with references to fucking Budapest in the MC? I think they just like saying Budapest. I really, if you notice how some of the characters say Budapest.
2: Well, that is the way you're supposed no, to. No, I know,
1: but. It's like, it's like it's like the Dennis Leary thing. It's like, oh, it's chicken liver pate. I pay my taxes. It's pate. I'm not going to pronounce that stupid French squiggly thing over the E. I'm going to do what I want.
2: Listen here,
1: Mr. Let's Have
2: Some Nugget. Yeah. Not nougat. It's nugget. It's not fucking nugget, you hick. <laughs>
1: uh, I like that, and this is, I made this note before. I'd forgotten the whole sixth sense thing with Simmons and Fitz.
2: So... Um, Just on that tip, um, she is wearing the outfit that she wore in the episode FZZT, which is the first episode that is completely around Fitz and Simmons' relationship. Why do
1: you think that is? Is Because he's ideal
2: Okay, so... Can
1: can I stop you one second and ask you a really dumb question? Sure. Is she in his imagination throughout the whole episode? Yes. Okay. It's, I wasn't sure.
2: Yes, no, she is because, and you know that at, at the end of the episode when they talk about how Simmons left because she wasn't helping, and they talk about it like that
1: happened a long time. ago. Oh, okay, ago. yeah, that was the impression I got, yeah. but I wasn't yeah, waiting yeah, to make yeah. sure I wasn't misunderstanding. So that,
2: that outfit she's wearing, um, and obviously I've had some help knowing this, and that I've read things about. Did you it. go
1: to the website?
2: No, not the website, but um, Wikipedia, various other. Websites.
1: They okay. um, make it sound really illicit here, was it like? <laughs> it's, it's the dark web. Grannies in gas the dark masks web or for like. The Shields. Oh, okay.
2: Um, anyway, um, one of the things with SHIELD, apparently, like I haven't personally noticed this before. The show or the organisation? The show. One thing that I've read, and I can't corroborate this, but it, it would lend itself to this episode. Is that they don't recycle outfits for Simmons? She wears different things. Okay. So the fact that she's in the exact outfit—that's that the idealised view of her T in his mind—is yeah. Okay, that's and interesting. That would hark back to the fact that in that episode, he has to save her um, because she's touched the technology and she's. Oh, gonna... so that's
1: like his favourite memory then, because well.
2: He had to save her in that instance. And remember, he, um, she's in quarantine and he goes in and he's like, well, we're both going to die because, you yeah. know, whatever. Um, I'm just going to find a way to save you. And he needs her to save him this yeah. time. So because she's left, he's conjured her yeah. and needs her. So, of course, to, it's that version. Yeah, because that's the... I'm going to help you, I'm going to save you person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just
2: thought that was wonderful. It's
1: funny, though, as well, saying that, because I wrote a note here, and this is before I remembered the, uh, or was reminded by the show of the whole her being a spectre, you know, not being real. Yeah. Is that, and I thought it was for another reason, which would have been equally clever if it had been, is the first shot you see of her, the camera pans over and you see her, she's out of focus. Yeah. Yeah and then it pans across to him and he's in focus and I thought oh that's clever it's because he's got this mental problem where he can't remember the words this almost like sort of like stroke kind of thing mm. going on and she's blurred out because she can't reach him mm. and then looking at it now from the perspective at the end of the episode when you were she's like there, I'm like, oh yeah fucking hell, cool I remember that yeah. Uh, But that is kind of cool if it was. It's like like it was. She was blurred, and it was deliberate. You don't start a shot with a character out of focus. No, of course you don't. Um, But obviously, the reason for it was was it was a hint that um, she's not real. In the same way that the Sixth Sense, every you see every time there's anything that's connected to the spirit world is red. So every time you see Bruce Willis's character try to turn a door handle or something, it's like a red door handle. Mm. And it's something that you don't notice when you watch the film, but you go back and watch it, and it's all there. I've only seen you Six one. once, and, uh, so... That's okay. a great second-watch yeah. kind of movie. Um, but, um, and I think that that's a nice touch that you, you're you only going to notice if you are re-watching it. And I think that it's really nice, particularly when you figure how little time they've got to make these fucking things, that they actually stop and go, okay, Let's set up a shot here. It probably takes a little bit longer to do. There's probably only ever going to be like maybe out of, you know if you figure millions of people watch his show. There's probably a couple only a couple of hundred people who will ever notice this. Yeah.
2: yeah. But to
1: do something for them is you know. I
2: just uh, they're not doing it for them though. I think they're doing it for themselves. You know these guys are fans of
1: of the the universe. Yeah. So they'll probably have seen that it's, shit done. It's a in, bit
2: like. Um, you know, we've watched all the directors' commentaries and behind the scenes stuff for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And the attention to detail is stuff that you would never see yeah. on screen. It's it like it's not even visible
1: on screen. The funny thing but the saying- art
2: department and stuff know it's there. So it's for him. Also,
1: there's a future proofing because I mean, the Lord of the Rings films have come out on 4K recently. Yeah. I was watching The Hobbit the other day in 4K and oh my God, it was fucking beautiful. Yeah. The stuff that's in there that just comes alive that I had no idea that was there. I mean, there. that was the you
2: 148 frames per second stuff yeah, as yeah, well, yeah. wasn't it? But I mean,
1: it's, uh, but even, but Lord of the Rings as well. So a lot of these things are only actually being seen now. Yeah. Um, but they knew but, when I mean, they were shooting it. I you and I it, but... did
2: the tour of Weta Workshop. Yeah. And, and,
1: well, um, well, no, of what's it called as well, of, of the of the Shire.
2: Well, yeah, but specifically Weta Workshop, um, they were showing us, like, the intricate details on some of the things from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, like, that was part of the tour. Um, incidentally, we got to see a prototype Stormtrooper helmet yeah, that we yeah. weren't supposed Force to awaiting. see.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, that room got covered up pretty good. <laughs>
1: yeah, we like, yeah, we don't want you <laughs> to take your phones out. We're a
2: tour right now. Um, yes, our daughter was, what, five months old when we took her there? She was very well behaved. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, it was, a, it was a um, pure luck, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, that was really cool. Anyway, um, the things that we saw there, like I appreciated the detail and it was amazing, but it was like you have done this for you. Yeah. That's like a a, a a member of the public going to see the film is never going to see that or pick yeah. up on it if it's on screen for three seconds. Yeah, They're just not. But you've taken the time, like even taking the time to um, look at the way the... Like, obviously, they're not going to make the chain metal um, body armor out of metal because it will be too heavy for the actors. But they're going to use something that's going to fall in the same way. Um, So it was really interesting seeing the. It's funny, though, as well, is that we've become quite savvy about
1: these things because, um, I mean, look at the original Star Wars films, for example. Um, Has there ever been. Any kind of moving art that has been poured over and analysed as much as those films to the mm. point where every single little detail and font and I mean Star Trek is a great every example.
2: Every nuance has been dissected. I mean,
1: there's, there's been the the the, the sh- even stuff I'm sure was by the, accident. The, the smallest, most obscure corner of the Star Wars universe has had documentaries made. I mean, there's, there's, not, there's been a documentary made about the guy who played the Stormtrooper who banged his head, you know? That's for, the that's for sort of level of it. And I think that when they now make films, even back 20 years ago, like The Lord of the Rings, mm. I think that you're right. An element of it is professional pride. But I think also there's an understanding that, you know what? One day, people might pour over this with the same level of minutiae obsession that people did with those original Star yeah. Wars films yeah. uh, and Jaws and all of those movies. So let's make sure that we've got stuff in there because people are going to look at every frame of this thing. Where I think it's different with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and even more impressive in a lot of ways is that it was a network TV show and it, those are the red-headed stepchild, mm. you know, even I mean... I love WandaVision, but I still think a big part of one of the reasons why people are losing their shit out of it is it's a prestige show. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a 10-episode season or eight-episode season. It's got a bigger budget. And that, in some ways, makes it okay to yeah. watch. It's And there's always been that snobbery. It's, I mean, I remember when I was a teenager, it was I remember uh, reading a uh, headline in NME reviewing the first Nirvana album, and the headline was, The Guns and Roses, It's Okay to Like. You oh, know. And sake. it's like, well, fuck you. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and I think that the, the fact that they have that level of minutiae in a network show is impressive. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, so we so we see uh, we get the first of, of a number of scenes um outlining the, uh, the 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 road to recovery for Fitz um along with Simmons. I like the fact that you get a couple of characters um hypothesising about what the deal is with Koenig. Yeah um and he's
2: because I think that's brothers. very much
1: an audience, like,
2: what the fuck? Yeah, They're the exactly same the person.
1: well, the other thing is, as well, is, is that the um, the LMDs um, were a big thing in the comic books, the mm. the life, the decoys, the sort yeah. of the clones, yeah. And that was one of those things where I remember at the time, and I wasn't, I, I'm still not, I'm not a Marvel nerd apart from the movies and the TV shows um i don't know the comic book universe mm. but i remember at the time when Kaney came into it people were like oh is these are these lmds and i'm like i don't know what the fuck lmds are but people seem to be really excited about it <laughs> like <laughs> uh, so we get a quick reminder um about the mystery hieroglyphics uh, yes, as well yep um and um we also get a um you know, you can't have somebody questioning somebody in a dungeon now without it elic- eliciting silence of the science. lambs.
2: Yeah, um, I've, g- I've got this here prisoner war, bit of a silence yeah, of the lambs vibe. And
1: the, I've said this a million he's times. He's lost weight
2: as well. Don't his teeth look big? He looked slightly like Barry Gibb.
1: Oh, it's because he's got a beard. Beards always bring he's, out the, always make you too tote
2: has got the Barry Gibb Bee Gees vibe, though.
1: Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, always Paul calls him the one who looks like a lion. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The, um, he does. The, the victorious. <laughs> 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 um, he smited the. He's smart. smort? smort? He smort? <laughs> is it smort or smited? Um, Smite is smited, isn't it? Um, smate. He smated the competition. But I've said this before many times. I don't know if it's on this podcast or other ones, but I'm going to keep banging on this drum because I feel like the rest of the world has yet to agree with me on this. But I honestly believe that the silence of the lambs. Not even one of my favourite films. Probably wouldn't even be in my top 50.
2: I only um, watched it, like, last year. Um,
1: I mean, I like it, but I honestly believe that The Silence of the Lambs is one of the most influential films of the Culturally years. significant films of, of the last 20 years. CSI, X-Files, mm. fucking uh, French and Saunders. <laughs> you know, Fringe. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it, it, that whole... Um, modern that whole modern FBI gothic mm. I mean even like fucking what's that show that you watch with Gillian Anderson the British show The Fall oh yeah, yeah. any time you get any, any of these gothic detection shows what's that one with fucking Doctor Who in it which Doctor Who uh, oh, you! Oh, broadchurch. Yeah, even those, yeah. even those kind of like misery porn British detective yeah. shows. It all comes from Silence it's, of the Lambs.
2: It's just the the force field in between them, like whether it's bars or a super high def Agents of Shield force field, like it. it it works as a split screen between the two of them, and it's just
1: fucking great. But the idea that it's always there's always that sort of <laughs>
2: there's don't that. give
1: him too much information. Dynamic totally, and... there's an
2: element of danger there always. Yeah,
1: I still think the best the best one, and I, I really want to watch the next on my next birthday. On my birthdays, I get to force <laughs> Hannah to watch television that she doesn't like, <laughs> and I'm uh, next year. I'm going to force Hannah to watch Beyond the Sea this year. The um, this year, sorry, the Brad Dourif. Gillian Anderson head to head, Silence of the Lambs episode of the X Files, Um because it is a one of the greatest episodes I've of television ever made.
2: I've seen it. Are
1: you sure? Yes,
2: I have. Okay,
1: well, you. Went, I have well, seen it. Well, you, yeah, but you didn't do it properly because
2: he's like a psychic and he tells her things. No, I
1: told. We've talked about this the other no, week, but
2: I, no, I have seen it. Okay, well, you,
1: you didn't watch it well properly then
2: no i just didn't like it you're insane you're insane i'm not um, insane i don't like the x-files i'm very sorry but i just don't i do not accept your apology um so we learned is that it is this D I V O R S C E
1: divorce i'm sorry i was thinking also so we learned that um penny's bullying ex-boyfriend from the big bang theory can absorb items that's his power yeah yeah. Um and
2: And he's like a crack addict with it. Yeah. Crack as in like the rocks crack.
1: <laughs> do, do you reckon Aye. that when he gets drunk he tries to absorb like weird shit? Like, <laughs> he's like oh, i am jelly man. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> just like a sort of immune, I am blamange. That all would all be you if <laughs> you had that. Oh, I'd end up being that That'd be awful. <laughs> um I like yeah so, I mean and then it's cutting between all of this and the the aforementioned silence of scene. So I mean yeah. um, you get the feeling that and, and it's,
2: this sorry this is the point where Ward um puts the thing in about how he wants to tell Skye about her father. Did you uh, not yes. hear that?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't.
2: So just as like he's given her all the you know I'll tell you the truth until I die and you'll you'll know that Um, I'm only here for good and blah, blah, blah. And she just cuts him off just as he's about to say, because he says something like, I can't wait. And she puts the thing down on him to tell you about your father. Oh yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, The other thing as well, that I think is interesting about this scene is, um, and I only remember this because (laughs) we recorded these episodes weirdly out of order because we had that lost episode thing, Mm. but I was talking about um, in the episode uh, Ragtag about how uh, it's staged to be uh-huh. like a controlling boyfriend thing. Yeah. And
2: no, no, that's not Ragtag. That's um, nothing. Nothing personal.
1: personal. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and it's it's shot like he's a controlling boyfriend. What do controlling boyfriends always do when they're dumped? Threaten to kill themselves. And he has that whole kind of thing about how, uh, like, she sees the, the scars on him, and he's like, oh, yeah, I. Um, with a piece with the of paper, paper and all button. that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's just.
2: I was like, oh, he's like. MacGyver, but dark.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like MacGyver. MacGyver, but MacGyver? <laughs> yeah.
2: He's MacGyver.
1: Are you friends with Arwulf?
2: <laughs>
1: and A Knight Rider?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Knight Rider. Yeah. I love Knight Rider. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Blue Thunder. Um,
2: oh, I think I'm always going to think of it as that I
1: always think of, was that, right always think of that. What is it? The, oh, my God, it's the Berg. <laughs> that horrible screenshot of Marina Sertis. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, that is that is that sort of like similarity with the... Uh, I, I, I think it's good that they... They're continuing that metaphor you know the the abusive controlling boyfriend metaphor here uh, yeah. and, and he tells her that it, basically that he can help her track hydra they can like um triangulate the um the, the transmission back to the source um and um and, and and you get the feeling that what he really wants is her trust <laughs> you're still laughing at <laughs> what what are you thinking about? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't help it. I'm sorry.
2: Rather <laughs> <come again> as... <laughs> I just feel like those two things have come from the same person. Yeah.
1: Okay.
2: Um,
1: <sighs> anyway. But, uh, but also, this is another thing that's, that ties back to the uh, Nothing Personal episode mm. is that um, he basically says that he. Doesn't want forgiveness or anything like that. Ultimately, he just wants her trust. Yeah, and it goes back to when she told him in that episode, uh, "I'm not going to give you what you want." Yeah, you know, and one of the things that he wanted was um, like benediction, almost like a yeah. sort of. Um, it, it, he is so confused, and it's a little bit like method actors. Like I remember seeing an interview with, Rob, um, with um, Daniel Day Lewis who, you know, he's known as being a method actor and losing yeah. himself in roles. And they're like, who is Dan- Daniel Day-Lewis? And he's like, I don't know anymore. Um, I've just, I've got, he's like, I feel like I've got no... Um, um, oh,
2: that's 100% you know.
1: Ward. And, and with the thing with Ward is that he he's so full of shit hmm. um, because he's had to be, um, that, he that what he wants...
2: That ends and he begins. Yes. so yeah. what he
1: wants is he wants some kind of... Uh, human credential or moral credential to attach himself well, to so he's got some kind exactly.
2: of exactly it, it's not necessarily that <clears throat> he actually wants sky's approval he just garrett's dead nobody else he likes needs some him. sort of context he, yeah he's literally scrabbling around for something he can latch onto. yeah yeah you're right
1: we see that uh, we see Talbot. Uh, with his family and we see Trip uh, do the old um, yep. phone drop uh, and they rescue him from an attack from old uh, gold arm. I love um,
2: the Watcher 6.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, Gosh, gives a...
2: just as, like, shit's all about to yeah. hit the fan.
1: I like the fact that Tolbert calls the interrogation um, space the honeycombed kill room.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think it is a blockbuster, um, blockbusters yeah. game show, yeah. uh, Shape, you have mentioned um, that before. We see um, that um, Colson tries to win Talbot over. Basically, he's saying, Look, you know, you've got to do this, but but Talbot's gone all kind of um, Les Miserables about it, hasn't oh, he? Yeah. He's, he's like, You know, he's Javert. yeah. Um, yeah. and um, we Simmons prisoner re-
2: 24601 has stolen the metaphorical, <laughs> <local thread laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, and he
2: will not hear anything else but
1: arrest that man. I, I like the fact that Les Miserable has superseded Moby Dick as mm. the uh, obsessed person literary callback thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we, we see this um, Simpson, uh, re- well, sorry, sorry, quote, Simmons reassure Fitz that she uh, can help him. Mm. Um, and um, Creel turns to glass and escapes. That's quite a clever moment. That reminded me a little bit. I mean, bit- that
2: is like Craig.
1: Sorry? That
2: is like Craig. What do you mean? Well, it's glass. It's clear. I
1: suppose. I
2: don't know. Well, I mean,
1: I've not Ten seen. It's
2: but I'm going to allow I've, it. I've not actually seen crack. I've only seen Breaking Bad. Oh yeah, so. you never see. It's
1: just a blurry <laughs> shape that you throw down your gullet, isn't it? When you, um, I don't know. You don't eat crack, do you? No, oh, no I? <laughs> do you place it under your eyelid? How does one consume <laughs> this anyway? Um, so it, it, it reminds me of the um, awesome bit in um, X Men Two when yeah. Ian McKellen. Uh, escapes from the um the plastic prison because obviously there can't be any metal parts mm. it's a really ingenious bit of staging and um they um so they break into the facility the 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 shield gang Facilite. and they've, they've they've talked around the uh the mercenaries and um zena and her buds uh, to get involved he really well. didn't want to go i like the fact that richard Coles- knows he's going to die yeah he's, he's sweating it's big time tot- isn't he
2: Tote's aware of the situation.
1: I like the fact that um, Colson has got a podcasting microphone <laughs> that he uses when he caught in the. Uh, uh, it's just a, a good little touch. We see the raiders, the raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse.
2: Mm-hmm. All <laughs> this was my Hannah's League of Beef. I keep thinking they're not. They're not looking properly. They're just totally walking past lots of suitcases where you cannot see a number on yeah, them. Shouldn't they
1: be like a suite? Like or?
2: actually, specifically, no. No, no, no. I mean, obviously, it would be less dramatic and amazing, but it would satisfy my need. But for what happens to, to the leg of beef? Yeah.
1: Um. So we see um, Lucy Lawless picks up the uh, the artifact, the uh, 084, and can't let go. Uh, and I think it's a really important um, character moment when Coulson doesn't abort mm. the mission. You know, it's,
2: it's a signifier that he's changed. Well, he's not, on a mission. Not in his morals, but no. in, you know, I'm the big boss. Oh, I, I have to make the tough I can't boss. think like your teammate right now. I need to think about the overarching
1: thing. Well, he needs to think like Nick Fury, who had to make the mm. kind of the, well, the needs of the yeah. many outweigh the needs of the few Didn't kind of. Didn't
2: make the popular decisions, but no. made the right decisions. Yeah.
1: Um, we also nothing says or we've talked about this before nothing says dramatic like a uh, slow motion shootout with uh, slow mo no...
2: ca- classical music shoot
1: Yeah,
2: there we I, go yep
1: and
2: uh, <laughs> the only thing that could have made it more classic is if it was that song you know the da, da,
1: da, oh yeah 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 yeah. it's a adagio for strings let me play it see see if this is the one this is one I'm thinking of at least Yeah, that's it. That's it. I yeah. can tell you right now. Um, okay, so um, they are heading back away from the mission, and the Lucy Lawless character has to have her hand cut off by Hunter. We also it was
2: very 127 hours.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a shit state of affairs, really. And we uh, we learned that really one of the big motivators for hitting mm-hmm. the the base was to steal a jet. Yeah, because they need it for the uh, the assets
2: to go dark.
1: Yeah, and uh, live in the shadows. And uh, uh, Coulson doesn't think that Fitz will get better. That's when we get the the uh, reveal that um, Simmons is not really there, and yeah. that basically he has uh, he's having a, His, a mental um, health episode. quote
2: marks talking to himself. Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then just when you thought that Lucy Lawless's day couldn't get any shitter, um, Penny's she boyfriend dies. turns up and flips the car. Um, so, uh, An old
2: uh, red shirt, carks it. Yeah, like, obviously.
1: Yeah, no one said about it. Yeah, he did well to last that long. Yep. Um, Good on him. Um, So we see um, the Creole get the uh, 084, and uh, we also get a reveal of Dr. Whitehall at the end.
2: Yes, and a confusing reveal of him at the end because he looks exactly the same as he did in
1: 1945.
2: What gives, Hannah? What is that from?
1: I don't know. Uh, Okay, so before we go into the spoiler zone, um, and even before even... Mixing up the format here, just thinking on my feet. Before we even get our final thoughts, just want to remind you guys um how you can reach us and all of that good stuff. Um you can find um other podcasts, including another podcast that I'm involved in, uh at wearepodsyndicate.com. So podsyndicate is a loose affiliation of podcasts and bloggers who podcast and write and do video content. And there's some great stuff on there. There is some great stuff on there. I think that's a that's a very fair and honest thing of you to say there, Hannah um Ichi landfill was amazing i haven't rest like, my shit that's just stroke
2: versus punter is pretty good no, of hosts of they're okay um that chin stroke is a bit weird but you know
1: what else um, um so yeah there's, there's also his film her movie mm-hmm. uh what's on tap film bastards film, bastards, film rants yep. and um right the iron sequel mm-hmm. and, and yeah. us God damn it. Also, a quick reminder that you can email us at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com and Please find us on Twitter. Please send us
2: some feedback. It would be so lovely yes, to we hear would from like some. someone. Yeah,
1: would you for some? Uh, and you can also tweet I us. I get so
2: excited when I get to read someone's feedback. It's amazing. It
1: is. Hannah's never happier than when she's doing that. And you can also tweet us at rewatchproj. That's rewatch, P-R-O-J. And
2: we've even been, some of our tweets have been liked by Marissa Tanker I know. So, you
1: know. People who knows people.
2: Mo. Come on,
1: yeah, come, that,
2: on, come on, the podcast, yeah, like, exactly. On, and if,
1: if you, if anybody listening to this knows, sort of, you know, apply pressure. Um, so, Hannah, any final thoughts before we go into spoilers, or do you want to no, just no? Just said
2: it? it was fucking great, and I love it, and I'm so pleased we're rewatching it. Um, I'm even more pleased now that we're into season two than I was in season one. I no. just think yes, this was the perfect time to do it, and it's fucking great
1: yeah, we're good to go we're good to go we're ahead of the mm. curve uh, i agree there's, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of meat in this episode and what it says is that there's going to be uh, i tell
2: you what knowing where it goes it's a fucking great ride
1: yes yes so stay with it um, okay guys so we will take a short break and then come back and do a little bit of spoiler stuff are you a craft beer junkie do you eagerly anticipate the freshest ipa release from your local craft brewer? Do you check in every beer you've ever had on Untapped? Do you know the difference between a Belgian Triple and a Berliner Weisse? Then do we have a podcast for you. What's Untapped Podcast gives you beer reviews, interviews with brewers, behind-the-scenes access to beer festivals, games, and more. Whether you're a craft beer junkie or new to the world of craft brewing, What's Untapped Podcast is something for you. Check us out online, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and now we are podsyndicate.com. And as always... Keep drinking, you dum-dums. This podcast you're listening to, pretty good, isn't it? Only problem is, it's about halfway through. Pretty soon, it'll be over. And then what are you going to do? Well, if you're a fan of this show, why not head over to WeArePodSyndicate.com and subscribe to our brand new feed, Pod Syndicate: The Bonus Shows. Every week, your hosts from Beyond the Neon, Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, his film, her movie, and What's On Tap will be dropping bonus shows right onto that feed. These shows might be collaborations and crossovers, or they might be archive episodes, interviews, one-offs, and other treats from across the Pod Syndicate network. So, prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment of this Pod Syndicate show ending by heading to wearepodsyndicate.com and clicking on
0: the bonus shows. We don't return you to your regularly scheduled Pod Syndicate podcast. I'm clearance level six. I know that Agent Colson was killed in action before the battle in New York. Got the full report. Welcome to level seven. Sorry, that corner was really dark and I couldn't help myself. I think there's a bulb out.
1: Um, Hannah, do you have any spoilers that you want to mention here?
2: Oh, Mac. Mac, 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 Mac. Mm, Mac
1: Can and cheese. Can we talk
2: about Mac? Mac, Mac, Macky Mac. Was Mac who you were talking about earlier?
1: No, it wasn't. Oh, wasn't it? No, it was Lance. Lance Hunter? Yes. Hunter? Yes.
2: Okay. Because um,
1: Mac is Mac, given Considering... The, the show will end with him being the agent the director, the, the director. Mm. and I'm really curious who now Sword which is because Sword which has been oh
2: I am too whether he's
1: in it because well, Sword is the space equivalent you yeah. right there
2: yeah I'm fine
1: <laughs> is that a comfort thing yeah it is um, can I help you no with that? you cannot because um, Sword is like a space version of S.H.I.E.L.D. you've got mm. S.H.I.E.L.D. is for Earth and Sword is for Space so mm considering he ends up being the director of shield it's a really low key introduction like he's kind of just one of the people
2: i think it's just that i know where he goes and and it's not i'm not even talking about season 3 at this point knowing that he's about to get really close to fits and help fits kind of find his way back to reality I am so looking forward to that. No, but the
1: reason I, I thought you were talking about Lance was that this I was. I wasn't framed, talking about Lance. No, I know yeah. I was, but I said the reason I thought you were oh. was that he. You mentioned that there were characters that you didn't really like, but looking back on it now, you do. Whereas I don't think that that Mac did anything in this episode. He did enough stuff in this episode to be dislikable.
2: Oh, it's not. I I guess saying I didn't like him with. Uh, I didn't mean I didn't like him. I was completely ambivalent and, and kind of wrote him off as a red shirt. Yeah. Um. So, and and looking back now, I'm like, actually, you had your character down from day one. You were. Quiet. But he's not given much
1: to do though, is he in the episode?
2: Yeah, but you're quiet. You know, you 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 know what you need to do, and you just get shit done.
1: Yeah. But with me, though, specifically, I remember uh, the the character of Hunter played by Nick Blood, I remember actively disliking for, for a while. Right. And I think part of it was that it was a new character, that I felt like the character was being forced on me, that it, oh, it was a Cockney character, all these yeah. sort of things. But looking back on it you now... I thought
2: it was James Corden, but skinny.
1: Yeah. But looking back on it now, he's really good. Hmm. And, I, it, and he is the character...
2: I was really surprised that Adrian Palicki wasn't in it from yeah. the start. Because, because those two my were so memory, connected. M- well, my memory had it that they were. Yeah. But of course she's alluded to when he makes mention of oh, um, talk to my ex wife about it or tell my ex wife. Yeah It's interesting or, that that yeah. was referenced. Yeah. But Max specifically, I'm like I think I just got really excited knowing um how he really ingratiates himself. And I like I hope I feel the same. But I felt like he really ingratiated himself with the audience through Fitz yeah. because he has this great relationship with him. Because Simmons doesn't come back for a while, yeah. Um, she, like, she is gone for a while. Um, from what I remember, well, the, I mean, the, I, like, I I could be wrong, I, but I, I'm I, pretty sure. I've got sure a theory
1: I, about why that works for you so much is that Fitz also in season one was so eager to seek the approval of the jocks you know of like the like the nerdy guy who wants to be liked by the cool kids or the tough kids or the sporty kids and in season one that's ward who obviously betrays that yeah and what i think is nice about mac is that he gives that to fitz selflessly
2: oh you know fitz doesn't have to give anything to him for his friendship, yeah, yeah, it's it's just there yeah, for yeah, the taking, yeah,
1: yeah. And, uh, and I think that that, that that that's what I see. I, I think, love
2: that about him.
1: Um, the, the other things—he's one of my
2: favourite characters.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And and I think that one of the things that I like that they give Mac as well as the show goes on is that it's almost as though nobody in Agents of Shield has ever seen a movie or read a comic book, mm. um, except for oh, Mac. Oh
2: yeah, no. Like the amount of
1: times where he's like, guys, like, I mean, the the season when they go to space, he's like, I'm getting such a Terminator vibe here. And they're all looking at him like blankly. (laughs) And it's like, for example, in The Walking Dead, they never talk about zombies or zombie movies. It's almost like zombie movies don't exist in In The 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 Walking Walking Dead. Dead. And that happens in a lot of shows. I've never seen And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s a bit like that. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is like, exists, and Marvel exists in a universe where. They weren't comic books because the comic books are the reality. Yeah, and Mac sort of punctures that illusion at times, where like when all the AI stuff's going on, he's like, seriously, he's like, am I the only person who's seen Terminator Two? <laughs> and they're all and they're all looking at him like like they haven't like, and it's just mm. this weird kind of fun thing that they give the character. Yeah, but um, but I, agree. I mean, and also I mean, looking forward, it's interesting that you get you've got all of these new characters. And you've got red shirts thrown in there. But really, ultimately, it's just Lance and Mac
2: that
1: stick around.
2: Yeah. It's a bit like the episode of The Office where... um, It's a merger. Yeah. The two officers merge and they have their first day with the two officers and Michael Scott's got to get rid of someone and all the various people leave for other reasons um, until he gets down to basically he's got his core cool staff without yeah. having to try. Yeah, And I feel like that is this episode. You've got your extraneous people, but they're going to get rid of them. Yeah.
1: And it's all, it's all about that hero moment. It's yeah. all about the... And this is one of the big influences that I've, I've always felt that the uh, original um, Star Trek films, the William Shatner, <laughs> Lennon Nimoy films had, because when you think about it, Star Trek was the first ever thing to go away and come back. Yeah. You know, it was a TV series. TV series didn't come back. When I love Lucy finished, I love Lucy fucking finished. Mm, yeah. You know, and Star Trek finished and it was it, it came back as a movie series and we take that for granted now. But that was unbelievable that mm. something could be so popular that it came back. That yeah. was that was fucked up. And in those movies you always had the getting the band back together the kind of like okay spock we're going to need bones on this one okay yes. let's go and get deforest yeah. kelly and see if he's still fucking alive <laughs> you know <laughs> and the uh, it's like the simpsons was it um star trek 12 uh, i'm so very very tired <laughs> the, the film and it's like oh, again with the klingons and, and i think that that's what's happening here is that what you're seeing without realizing it and this is why this is better on rewatch than it was at the time is that what we're seeing is the first part in a really satisfying regrouping narrative. Mm. But you didn't know that in 2014 when you were watching it. You were just like, what's this weird dark version of the show that I liked?
2: But also with Mac specifically is because... I I think because it is such a quiet beginning for him, it's so like I look at at him tinkering about with things and being such a background character and thinking you were going to be the head of shield like you're going to be nick fury you're going to be yeah, the right. man
0: yeah.
2: um, and you basically save humanity several times over yeah. and you you're introduced in such a low key way you get to
1: go on a 1980s time travel romp with Deke.
2: i know which is yours and my one of our favorite episodes
1: was it Deacon uh, Mack's Excellent Adventure? Yeah, Is yeah. The name of that?
2: It's <laughs> just a like he's a fucking great character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot to be said for him. Like he's. I just he's hope he turns. The,
1: up, I hope he turns up in like a Fast and Furious movie or something. You but know. But I mean?
2: mean, like he's not. He's not the snazziest member. Like you know, he doesn't have a superpower, and he he's not like.
1: It's all it's all done on merit. He's
2: not fits like he he's not uber. Genius, smart, yeah. and he's not—he doesn't have a superpower, but he can hold his own, and he's got that fucking gun, axe, dart thing going yeah, on—that's yeah, yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah. I feel like he is the embodiment of the everyman realizing their potential yeah. and kicking some f- ass. Yeah. it's
1: like it's like the people you see in. Um, any kind of like office or corporate environment who kind of know what's going on. Yeah. Like the office manager or the office coordinator. Yeah. And and they kind of like find themselves, you know, being sort of like turned over from promotion because they're not like the sort of the sexiest worker, as it were. Mm. But um, but yeah, and, and obviously you've got the uh, the early stages. it's kind of the
2: Ron Weasley to Sky's Harry Potter. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, but you've also got all of this sort of the is it the exogenesis kind of uh, yeah. stuff going on as well. Like we're starting Ter- to see terogenesis. terogenesis that's it, sorry, <laughs> exogenesis. That's an X Files thing. X Files. You, oh. <laughs> you would love that show. <laughs> if you gave it a goddamn chance. <laughs> it's like the inner light all over again, Hannah. We've been. No, finished. it's
2: not. It's not.
1: And um, so obviously we're getting like a setup up for a lot of elements in the, in the season as well. And there's probably like 15 things more than if we're getting. But the thing I like about this show is that there's so many elements of it that there can be a plot element that is really, that is so interesting. But they've got all this other interesting stuff going on that this element can go away for three or four episodes and then it will come back, and you're like, yeah. "Oh yes, there's this fact." Fabi- like, I mean, for example, when we were watching this episode, I'd forgotten about Ward completely. And then yeah. when she went down to the basement to yeah, kind of yeah. see him, I was like, "Oh, this is a whole other interesting dimension of this show that I'd completely forgotten about." Which, yeah. for a lot of shows, would be the thing that carried the show. You know,
2: I, I'd forgotten too. I, I honestly thought that she was going to be encountered with some kind of tech that they were keeping locked up yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than Ward. And that
1: he'd come back in, like, episode three at the end yeah, or something. Yeah. But no, no, it's just... But, I don't... mean,
2: that's the thing with Ward and the thing that, obviously, we can say here because it's the spoiler section, that dude does not go away no. for a fucking long time.
1: Yeah. That's an element of the show that definitely improves on rewatch. Yeah. I think when you know where it goes, you can relax into it a little bit. It's oh, one of those totally. Sort of like those totally. Sort of
2: and, like... It, it's good you said that actually, because I feel like, um,
1: I feel you gave, like you gave him a bit of a hard time when we, when we first watched it. I yeah.
2: Yeah, I did. And I feel like in this rewatch, all I'm saying is, Oh, I loved it. And Oh, this is great. And Oh, it's amazing. And you know, um, Hindsight, I'm, eh? I'm not being super like negative about anything. and, and, I stand by that. Yeah. Like, I love this series. I yeah. love it. And I'm unapologetic in that. This is my kind of TV series. But
1: there were times we drifted away yeah, from the show. When yeah, it was yeah,
2: yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think a lot of my absolute epic enjoyment this time around is from the fact that I know... The character arc. Well you can't so, fall asleep
1: to your Harry Potter audiobooks if you haven't heard them before because you'll be you know yeah, it's that exactly. kind of comfort. I
2: just, I know I know where Ward goes, I know where Sky slash Daisy goes. Like, I was like huh? You said Daisy. It's oh, all right. spoiler, yeah. Oh. I
0: know we yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You shouldn't say that because we're hoping to cover Pablo yeah, yeah, Five. Yeah, yeah. Um <clears throat> Yeah, so um, I'm I'm sure that that has a lot to do with the fact that I'm finding each episode really enjoyable, but um, that doesn't mean to say that I'm giving it some kind of hall pass because I'm not. Um, I think I'm just looking at it in a in a different way. It's a different
1: experience. It's yeah. a completely. I mean, it's like and
2: and I mean that's the whole premise of the rewatch project you look at it in a different way yeah
1: it's it's what the audience brings to something i mean the um oh gosh the thing i really want to play you here um about the the what you bring what we bring as an audience member to something when we see it this is a short video that i put on the facebook page that's q and A Q&A of somebody asking uh, David Lynch mm. what he says to people who say that his films don't make sense. Okay. And I think this is really profound, and I think it's relevant here. Is it long? How do you respond
0: to the idea that you know it doesn't make sense, or you know people don't understand? Like, what do you think about that? And what would you say to other people who maybe like making things that other people don't think make sense? I think um, I love ideas. I like a story that's got some concrete, you know, structure, but also holds abstractions. Life is filled with abstractions and the way we make heads or tails of it is through intuition. And so uh, people get used to a film that pretty much explains itself a hundred percent. And they kind of turn off that, you know, beautiful thing of intuition when they're looking at a film that has some abstractions and some people, on the other hand, love these abstractions and it gives them room to dream. it, it an abstraction to me is a thing that cinema can say, and it's it's so beautiful uh, for me anyway, to think about these pictures and sounds flowing along together in time in a sequence making a thing that can only really be said in cinema it's not words it's not just music it's a whole bunch of things coming together and making a thing that didn't exist before and and, and that's what i really love about it, about it thank you and then and then to answer your question a little further it's up to the people then you know to you know find their own you know interpretation it doesn't really matter what I think. It's the, it's all, every screening, no matter what, even at all the frames of the film are exactly the same, but there's no two screenings that are exactly the same. It's the viewer and the picture and sound, and it makes a circle and it just goes like that. And so um, you just feel it and think it, that's kind of intuition, emotion and thinking together. And come up, um, make, it, make it have a sense to you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And that's what it's all about. It's about sort of you as an audience member watching something that you've seen before and you're bringing different things to it creates a completely different experience. Mm. And I think that that's one of the reasons why re-watching something is so interesting because it's what you bring with you. It's your biases. It's your It's um, your politics at the time mm. your gender politics or whatever it is whatever you've got going on and I think it, it is really interesting going back and looking at these things I mean and, and it's funny you mentioned your sort of experience with the, the character of Ward as well is I remember when we were watching it the first time particularly in later seasons when he comes back for like the fucking fifth time <laughs> or whatever it is yeah. you were like oh it's this
2: it's this fucking again in. with the Klingons <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know?
2: yeah. Um, oh my God,
1: it's yeah. big <laughs> but when you know now we're re-watching the show, knowing that the function of this character is to come back again and re-explore and recontextualize the relationships between all of the characters. So He's, you're bringing something different to it, you know?
2: He is, is the human embodiment of PTSD yep. in the show. Like, that is his function.
1: But I think it is... It's funny, because on the one hand, I think it's... Let me ask you a question. Should ward have had some kind of redemption or did he did he maybe he did no. i don't know
2: well i can't i can't remember like, well he doesn't
1: he doesn't i mean he no, go. Well, he goes, he goes mean, out yeah. he goes out twirling his moustache I, I mean ultimately. i can't
2: even remember how he goes out i mean i know well
1: it's he, probably because you, you probably thought he was going to be back well, again in no, the next season.
2: because because like i feel like he dies at the end of season two
1: he dies as a, as a monster that that powers booth turned him into
2: yeah that's season three?
1: I think that's season three, yeah.
2: But that's to do with the parallel universe that Simmons enters into.
1: Yeah, and then you've got it? the whole Matrix thing as yeah, well, where he's so, just not real at all. So that's not even yeah. really him. But anyway, but, without the minutiae, yeah. on a broad sort of theological sense...
2: But don't you think me saying he's like PTSD is right? Because Absolutely. Because even that's when why, he dies, he's still a threat.
1: Yeah, haunting people, yeah. like the memory yeah, of abuse. Yeah, yeah. And But I think that... um if they could have given him redemption, would that have been a bad thing? Would that have been sending... I mean, not that everything has to mean something. I know that the whole woke thing means that everything that you do has to be... You know, If you're bad to a woman in your movie, that means you hate women. There's an oversimplification mm. that has become a negative side effect of all the good things that have come out of wokeism. But do you think that if they had somehow given Ward a redemption, would that have been morally bad would that have been sort of going oh it's okay to um I, do these things as I long honestly, as you say you're sorry i
2: honestly don't think they would have given him a redemption i think he was so far beyond redemption
1: i think if they were going to do it they'd have to have done it quite early in the narrative i
2: think they would have given him kind of a exit for
1: more chaos that would have to have almost been like a sci-fi reason he was being evil for him to have a redemption, yeah. you know, like um, with Angel in Buffy, he got a redemption, and but at the same time, he when you become a vampire in Buffy, the the, the mythology of the it's show like is your spike. You're, it's, you're, when you become a vampire in Buffy, you lose your soul, and your soul is replaced by the soul of a demon.
2: Yeah,
1: so it's not you. Yeah. So, from a culpability perspective, like your personality's in there. So, once you become evil, the way in which you express your evil is like again, Spike's a great example because Spike's big thing in his lifetime was that he was a romantic inadequate. He yeah. was a, he, he was a very he romantic, was a person. And wanted. So, yeah, when he was possessed by a demon, the way he acted out was for love. Yeah, a vengeful spurned lover. Mm, yeah, and. I think that the only way that you could, I think, morally justify some kind of redemption arc for Ward would have been to take all of the blame away from him. And you really can't do that.
2: You can't. I think the only way you would redeem him in any kind of way would be for him to join something like the Guardians of the Galaxy as some kind of like ninja assassin.
1: Yeah. For good, yeah. Like, but, um, is it, is it Nebula? Is that the character's name? Yeah,
2: but she, like, she was good. She was always good. She just was kidnapped as a child. Yeah. She was put. Well, into Ward a, was
1: reprogrammed.
2: Yeah. Yes, true. But his I whole f- life
1: was long, one long reprogramming. But I
2: kind of feel like his was longer. Than well, with, hers. Th-
1: that's it with Ward. I f- I feel his, like he's too his, far
2: past his, it. His,
1: Exactly, his programming started with his older brother, and he got to him young. Yeah, and I don't think you can undo that. No, if you if you fuck somebody up when they're young enough, it's the Michael Jackson thing, you know. Like that guy got destroyed by his parents by his father so young. You can't bring that back. And do you
2: know the unfortunate thing that that's real life? Yeah, That's not a comic book.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can't just have a moving speech. Mm. You can't Patrick Stewart your way out of that shit, no. you know?
2: He's just, I mean, I don't know exactly anything that's gone on, but regardless of allegations and, you know, that, you know, uh, may or not be true. He was a, I, I, he was I, a I victim before he was a perpetrator. I don't know, but, but yes, it, like, horrible life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Start well, to that's...
2: finish, horrible life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether he was the instigator or the victim of it, horrible life. Yeah, yeah, you're start not going to not gonna come out
1: of that like no. People you're not going to come
2: out of it. He seemed
1: anything. like a well balanced young man. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: With his, yeah. Uh, you know, it's the <laughs> what's it the uh, I was thinking of the Dennis Leary thing where he's like people talk about you know the, the Jacksons grew up in a dysfunctional family. He's like not the Jacksons. You know, it's like these people who buy each other new heads for Christmas. Do you expect <laughs> to happen? Okay, any other um, sort of spoilery? No, no long-term kind
2: nothing. Of? I don't think it was that kind of episode, to be perfectly honest.
1: Oh, I, I disagree. I think it was.
2: Oh, uh, no. Mean, uh, no, it wasn't. Well, because I of mean, the sheer
1: I, amount of new characters. I, mean, I, got-
2: I think, yes, obviously there was spoiler stuff in the new characters, but... I don't think it was so much a spoiler as an ooh, they alluded well, to this and woo they alluded to I think, I think a large part that. of that
1: is due to our terrible memories. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, <I> mean,
2: don't lump <laughs> me in with that because I, I clocked the whole... Father thing that you didn't even fucking hear.
1: Um, that wasn't a memory thing. That was an attention thing. They're completely different failings um, of mine. Yes,
2: but did but you Michael, remember the? I Michael, bet you did. Do but not put me in your like. Oh, I haven't clocked that.
1: Did you remember the Simmons not being really there thing? Yes. Even before the reveal. Yes.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Well, that's getting edited out then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what i do hannah i've been doing it for a decade and a half i'm not gonna fucking stop now. There. there's a reason that paul's so angry with you all the time when i finish editing this it's just gonna be two hours of me talking and then at the very end you're just going to go yes <laughs> <laughs> well put mike
2: i'm gonna start my own podcast with
1: paul and neither of us will no. know how to edit
2: it and it'll be terrible oh
1: man that'll be a dark part of myself okay I'd just so be that's like yeah
2: time. and he said this and he did that and- God, that guy's a
1: bastard. Do you want to bring up the details of the next episode? I don't want to say deets because I want to get um, fucking criticized again.
2: I was down to 2% battery, folks. What are we on now? We're on 41. Oh,
1: beautiful.
2: Okay, so episode two is called Heavy is the Head. Okay. Synopsis says Hunter gets captured by General Talbot, May goes after Creel and the Obelisk.
1: Very dramatic Um, thing. It
2: is directed by Jesse Botchkovs, and it is written by your friend of mine, Paul Zabazinski, the boy, and DJ Doyle.
1: Awesome. After DJ Shadow, my favourite DJ.
2: I love DJ Shadow.
1: And DJ from uh, Rosanne as well. He's another one of my favourites. I saw Uh, DJ
2: Shadow at Brixton Academy and he was amazing. I saw
1: DJ Doyle at Brixton Academy. Did you? That's a lie. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so that's it for this week, guys. Um, We will see you Take care,
2: everybody. Bye-bye. Wash your hands.